Hello, folks. Welcome back to the Straightforward Farming Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Reed, alongside Nick McCormick, Kelly McCormick, and Carolyn Reed. Hello, folks. Hello. <laughs> what do you guys want to talk about this evening? I think this should be just a free-for-all. I'm good with that. Just an all-out, anything you got on your mind, get it off your chest. What do you guys want to talk about? Politics. Where you at, Kelly? Go ahead. Yeah. I know no, you I'm got... not starting. I am not starting. Oh, come on. <laughs> no. Don't wait that first. Yeah. I, I don't, it's my I first don't night start. here. I'm not starting. Start. Okay, so has anybody heard of any good conspiracy theories lately? Like any, like really good. Like I'm not into this whole Trump still president, blah, blah, blah. That, no. That's bullshit. But like, have you no. heard like any good. No, he is. I'm sorry. He is not. I haven't heard any good conspiracies lately, but I'll go on a, <clears throat> on a tirade here. And. For those of you that are Facebook friends with me, and don't take offense if you're not, because I haven't honored a request there for quite some time, because I don't do a lot of it. But so we all saw that Juwan Howard punched a coach or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. And now we're going to eliminate handshakes because we can't keep people from slapping people. Are you serious? That, that's their solution to it. How about the solution is people just be you know normal grown adults and you don't hit somebody after the game. Yeah. Like if Michigan, you Michigan walk, always had thug too, players. They're always thugs. Always. always thugs. Red Power Stew, if you're watching, the well, fucking people go to college in your state are we, thugs. We can't, we can't knock him because Juwan's from Chicago, I believe, which is no shocker that he's a thug. But what a crock of shit. If my yeah. kid can't walk through the handshake line and be a man and just shake hands like a normal person, yep. then just walk to the locker room. I agree. Yeah. I agree. You know, Michael Jordan had how many battles with the Knicks, Celtics, Lakers, right. whoever. I never saw him slap anybody. Yeah. Not that he's a standard by which we're measuring it, but it's it's ridiculous. If you yeah. can't do that, then let's just cancel sports in general. Yep. I would be all about that. Cancel the handshake line. We'll give you two options. We're canceling sports altogether, or you can learn how to shake hands like a man after the game and don't be a candy ass. That's your option. Yep. Candy ass or not. Take I agree. Pick. I agree. Anyway, what, moving what on. What say you guys? What do you think? I don't know what you guys are talking. About. I don't know what you guys are talking so, about. <laughs> so the the coach at Michigan. Okay. There was a big game between. Was it Ohio? It was Michigan State or it was Michigan and uh, Wisconsin. Michigan and Wisconsin. So at the end of the game, when the players all line up to shake hands, mm-hmm. the Michigan coach punched an assistant coach from Ohio yeah. or from Wisconsin. Okay. Yeah. And it turned into this big brawl. And so all we're saying is, if you can't. If you can't so take a the, punch, so, you shouldn't well, be a now coach. They, now, <laughs> they, now they want to cancel handshake lines. Their solution is to get rid of handshake lines. Well, no, just get rid of stupid people. Exactly. Or yeah. let them fight it out. Draw a circle. There's already one in the middle. Let them battle it out. That's your deal. I don't understand I that out. at all. It's ridiculous. I, anyway, I total side topic to it, but if you can't deal with it, don't play. Yeah. I, I think I would be on board with that. You think so? Yeah, I think so. Well, I think... I think Honestly, I think he should be fired for unsportsmanlike behavior. He's being a bad example for the students that he's yeah. leading. 15-yard penalty. <laughs> <laughs> unsportsmanlike. <laughs> in hockey, they'd give you a 15-minute break where you cut your breath so they you can fight again. They would but put you in timeout, basically. Yeah. That's I'm not they gonna, do. They're like, nope, you're in timeout. Go sit over here. I'm mostly just surprised when Nick started talking that he went down that route. Like, I thought, and now we're going to talk about how feminism is ruining the world. <laughs> <laughs> 
feminism I has ruined the world. I'm not disagreeing with you. I am not disagreeing with you, but I really what, thought that was a, the road that a, he was going down. What a down. movement that is! But I'm gonna I'm gonna stop it there. So no, so <laughs> let's go down. Let's, let's go down this road. Let's we've all down we've all drank enough. I mean, we've got no. look at all that shit. But nonetheless, so I personally think it's hilarious. This swimmer that's just kicking the shit out of all these women in all their sports. I think it's great. 432nd in the men's division. Exactly. And he's leading the women's. So, so as women, what say you? Kelly, you, you can go first. I think he's a biological male and he shouldn't be participating in women's sports. I agree. Absolutely not. So, And I think that uh, the feminists are really dropping the ball here. By not doing anything. Right. Oh, so I, I think it's funny from the aspect that this is what they wanted, that everybody gets included. Exactly. So now we're going to just shatter all the records and basically set women's sports back 85 years. Yeah. So to me, if that's how we're going to do it, then we're power to you. We don't need both teams. No. We just have a team, and you can make that team. Yep. Yeah. So as someone who I run, not competitively by any means, with anybody or whatever. because right, I can beat you. What if Tony and I in the truck? But you know why you can beat me? Because you are a male. You have and I am a female. And that is the big difference. Mm-hmm. And so as someone who understands that, it infuriates me that we are even going down this path at all. Like, women and men are biologically made different. We cannot do the same things. So instead of embracing our, dif- our differences and... Being like, well, I can do this, he can't do this, vice versa, whatever. We're like, oh no, we need, we need to be equal. This is what I've we tried to, to tell you when you're like, pick your shit up off the floor. I'm like, I biologically can't. That is <laughs> no, your job. No. Now, time out. I did not say that. I did not I know. say I that. Be a good human being, no. Tony. Be a yes. good human yes. being. Be a good person. <laughs> <laughs> be an upstanding person in society. Don't be that guy. Yes, exactly. But... Like, it infuriates me because I know how hard I work to reach the levels I do with my running and stuff. There's no way I'm going to beat a guy. There's no way. And I know That's that. That's why you get pissed when I but, go to the doctor. I smoke 7,000 packs a day. I don't do any exercise. You're like, your fucking tests are perfect. That just pisses me off. Just the way I roll, man. <laughs> that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. Sure but does. We're biologically no, different. We are. But as far as physicality, I guess is the word I want to use. Um, if I set out today to run two miles and a fit person, not you, <laughs> set out to run two miles and he was male, he's going to run faster than me because he's biologically made different. And that's just the way life is. But like, everyone's like, oh no, girls are just as good as guys. Guys are, we, we all need to be on the same level playing field. No. No, we should not. And it, like, it makes me mad. Like, I'm mad for the girls that have worked their butts off to get to this point, and they're getting beat. Like, it, like They're getting beat bad. Yeah. Bad. What say you, Kelly? Does it make you mad? Oh, it makes me completely angry. Completely. I mean, Especially basically our daughters have I have, have, no I have girls, yeah. And that's what pisses me off. Our girls have absolutely no chance because now we have to compete a bit against these guys who think they're girls. And my thing is, these guys, like, you can be a guy who doesn't even want to transition, but now you're like, ah, well, if I transition, I can take first place, so I'm going to do that. And there are people that will do that. Is he transitioning? 
I thought he was just male competing in a female field. Like he identifies, he's he's transitioning. Okay. I didn't know that. Because, so the big thing was that he had, they were gauging it on how much testosterone he has in Mm -hmm. his system. So he's been taking some drug to Mm -hmm. take less of that or whatever. So he's been a year into that process. So he has less of that. So he's not technically a guy anymore. And I'm like, no, you're still biologically a guy. For a while. If you die today <laughs> and a hundred year late a hundred years later we dug up your bones, we will look at your pelvis and be like, Oh no, that's a male. You don't even have to look at their pelvic bone, you just have to look at their DNA. Right. Your exactly. DNA is exactly. male versus female. Exactly. My thing is just a prime example of stuff getting taken too far. So the feminist movement originally starts out with some val- very valid points. Women should be able to have their own checking accounts if they're, you know, not married, et cetera, et cetera. But it, it escalates into the fact that now they're dominating women's sports because they're not good enough to participate in men's sports. And I'm not knocking women here. Women can do a ton of things better than men. But the feminist movement has pushed it to the point that now, well, now we can do this, now we can do that. They've actually undermined their own cause. They've cut themselves off at the knees. It's ridiculous. So what I don't understand about the whole movement, and going back to what Nick said, there's actually three phases of the feminist movement. Phase one is just, you know, can women have a checking account, credit card, et cetera. I don't think anybody's not on board with that. But the phase three is, in my opinion, punitive and wanting to punish the male species and eliminate it. And so I'm going to kind of go back here a little bit on my background in marketing and branding, where whenever we produce a product, we're looking for what differences we have to market it, to promote it, etc. It baffles me that you have an entire group of people that don't want to celebrate their differences, but but basically eliminate it. Like, like I, I want to be the same here. I want to pretty much eliminate you or any differences we have instead of saying, no, you and I are different and let's dive deeper into our differences instead of eliminating the differences. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a mess and the shit's got to stop eventually. I mean, because there is no sense in women playing sports anymore. If we're going to do it this way, why, why would your daughter work hard to try to, I mean, we've all seen the meme. Let's say LeBron James decides tomorrow and I'm not a, LeBron fan, but let's say he decides tomorrow he's playing in the WNBA. Right. He's a girl. He averages 842 points a game. Yeah. Who's going to stop Literally him? knocked out the entire women's NBA team. Yeah. Literally knocked yeah. it out. You know, because it, it, he, one on five, he's, he's still winning. decided that he emotionally feels that way. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, no, you, you can't fight your the DNA. You can't fight biologics. You can't fight it. So. Yeah. The... The whole feminist movement has pushed so far. It's like like anything, it's gone too far to the point that it, it actually undermines itself. It, it makes no sense. So my biggest thing with the whole feminist movement is instead of embracing, like Kelly said, our differences and like I have things that I'm really good at that you are not good at and vice versa. What are you doing? Oh, okay. It's <laughs> like, why are you petting my face? <laughs> Anyhow, instead of embracing our differences, we are like, oh, no, no, no. I am just as good as he, him, as he is. No, I am not as good as he is. There are things he can do that I cannot do as well. Can I do them? Yes. 
will I do them as well as he does? No. And vice versa. There are things that I do a million times better than he will ever do in his life. And instead of embracing that and being like, okay, here's my strengths, here's my weaknesses. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm just agreeing with me. Okay. I'm agreeing you with should. you. You should. No, you should agree with me. Okay. Whatever whatever you say. <laughs> Anyhow, regardless. All right, we, all right, we beat this horse to death. People are going to get tired of hearing the feminist stuff. So, right. what? What? Let's move on. Let's, we're going to do rapid fire. Let's okay. go. Okay. Pick, pick a, you, you pick a topic. Pick a topic. We want to talk about. I don't know. You, you caught me off guard. Pick a topic. Uh, let's talk about Ukraine. All right. Let's go. What okay. do you want to know? You talk about it first. What? <laughs> my my opinion don't matter. I I've said it before. I'll say it again. I don't think the U.S. should be involved. We're not to police the world. Granted, we can't let Putin just walk across the whole world, so I really don't know what the answer is. That's that's literally as best okay. as I can tell you right now. So I, 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 I saw a very interesting video today, and it was uh, whenever Trump was president and he first met with P- Putin or whatever, and they, like, reached out their hands to shake hands, and Trump grabbed his hand and pulled him into him. And it was a power move, 100%, because Trump was saying, no, I'm in charge here. And, like, I miss that leadership because we do not have the leadership. Because Trump let him know from the get-go with the handshake, no, I'm, I got you. I'm not going to let you do this. So, What say you? That's my opinion. I'm not looking necessarily as a military power to police the world. But at the end of the day, we are the number one. And I'd let everybody know that we're the biggest swing in, in this deal. If you don't like it. Pack up your panties, son, because you're about to get blown off the fucking map. Take your pick, but we're we're making the rules here. You'll either play by them or you won't. We've got consequences for that, but it takes a firm leader to do that. Ronald Reagan is a prime example of how this he, shit he wouldn't be blink. Handled. He would tell you, he and then he blink. would act because he walked softly, carried a big stick, and wasn't afraid to use the stick if he had to. Yep. But nobody wanted to push him to the point remember, he had to use the stick. Remember when Gaddafi fucked around with him back then, and yeah. he fucking sent a missile right through the tent and killed his whole family? If that was the end of that. Were, if you'll recall, back in the old, uh, the Iran days, Jimmy Carter and the hostages, whatnot, what was Reagan elected? Like 13 minutes? And Literally. Like, yeah, let him go, because this guy ain't screwing yeah. around. The second he gets off that podium, shit's going to start smoking over here, because he's going to blow the shit out of us. Yeah, and for you younger people that don't remember that... Nick's not exaggerate when he says 13 minutes. It was literally like 13 yeah. minutes. Like 13 when he minutes. Was, yeah. Like when he was sworn into office, basically took his hand off the Bible, like, let him go. Yeah, let him go. Release him. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What say you, Mrs. McCormick? Um, I don't feel very knowledgeable on the Ukraine subject. I, I agree same with way. you, Tony. Like, I don't feel like it's our responsibility to go over and police the situation, but I also understand that this is an opportunity to maybe retake our superpower um, authority that has really been diminished in right. the last 12 months. Right. Um, and, and I believe that the third phase feminist movement's ruining the world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she was like, yeah. you wanted you, to cut off the feminist. You almost Jim Pasaki is there. You, you almost. So, Let's I mean, circle back. Circle back. Not that I want to get back to the circle back of the feminist movement, but I'm like, you guys pushed so far. Your responsibility at one time was to raise kids and families, etc. And now you still have to do all that, plus go to work. Right. Congratulations. You doubled your workload. Right. So, good work for that. Exactly. We actually have this conversation in... All the time. Kelly and I have a group text with all of our friends. And we have this conversation all the time. We were like, women fought so hard, and here we are doing triple the work, and we are exhausted. 
We are so tired of trying to, well, we need to have a full-time job, and we need to raise our kids perfectly, and we need to do da 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 all these things. And I'm like, no, I want to be a 50s wife. I want to be, I, I want to stand in my house in high heels, and the only thing I have to do is do the dishes and make supper but, and, and clean the and house. And the shitty part about that is, is because that's the wife I want, yeah. but they have fucked the economy up so bad, you can't yeah. do that anymore. Exactly. Right. You know, when it takes $12,000 a fucking year just to pay for the health insurance, yeah. we can't do that anymore. Right. So, right. it's mostly and, their fault, you know. And I honestly and think there's a lot more women that want to do that, but you're shamed into having a full-time career because you're like, well, these women fought for you for so long, and here you are just being a stay-at-home wife. Here, no, being a stay-at-home wife, brand management. there is nothing brand wrong with that. There's well, here's my thing. The stay-at-home mom has done a piss-poor job with brand management. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's got to the point, it's like, you're looked down upon, mm-hmm. which is wrong, but that's, that's where we're at, and we're to the point where... We don't want strong men. We want to. We want to feminize the shit out of men. We want to make them into the no count pussies. They. We want them to be where they do nothing other than what they're told. But when hard times come and Vladimir Putin's pushing shit to the demerit, then we want everybody to rise up and be these strong big men. Well, you backed them into a corner where they couldn't be men anymore. So make up your mind. Which way do you want it? Because you can't have it both ways. Yeah. No, I agree a hundred percent. And it, I do too. Yeah. As a female, I agree a thousand percent. Mm-hmm. So like, my thing is, you've have... talked enough. It's my turn to talk. You've been talking a whole fucking. Time. <laughs> so, my thing is, I think women should have the right to vote. I think yeah. women should have jobs. I, th- I think women should be as free if they so choose to do what men want to do. I, re- I really feel that way. I, I think it's a free country, and I think you're entitled to that. But we have made it such taboo and beat it down to the fact that. You know, if you're a stay-at-home mom, it's like it's almost like you're a piece of shit. That yeah. well, nobody does that anymore. Yeah. What to me, that's the most important moral fabric of your child's life. Just look at TV. Just watch a TV show. Exactly. You yes. watch a TV show, whether it's well, you're not really Andy Griffith because there wasn't any women on that. But if you look at you know Donna Reed, you leave it to Beaver, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. whatever. Well, we, we we look at that image and we're like, oh, that's horrible. How bad for those women? Really? Really? I'm like. Seemed like they didn't have it all that bad. Now they have to do all that same shit. Right. Only they had to do it in sweatpants to get all the other shit done. Did, did you notice back when then women stayed home that you had respectful kids who exactly. were responsible and everything exactly. else? Exactly. Carolyn and I read a book in book club years ago, um, the Battle Hymn of the Tiger Mother. Yeah, and she talked about the fact that she's like, we don't let our, she had this list of things that she didn't let her kids do. And one of them was watching um, Disney TV or American yeah. TV, Nickelodeon or whatever. And she goes, her thing was, she said, TV nowadays portrays the kids as these witty genius, you yeah. know, and the parents as doofuses. And there's no strong males. There's name like name one TV show today where the dad of the family is a strong male. They're, They're not allowed. It's a good to thing growing corner to have a TV show because <laughs> yeah. I would show them how that works. <laughs> remember, remember channel. back when we were in grade school, and our grade school principal. Looking back, I can't say enough good about him. Right. I didn't always get along with everything he said, but he was this figurehead stood at the corner of the office. And he was a big guy. He was a big guy, and you did not question anything he said. No. You might squawk at a a female teacher, not taking anything away from them, because I had great grade school teachers. I did, too. All wonderful women, for the most part. I had a few males, but generally females, they're all great women. And even the males were pretty good. The males were great. I have the utmost respect for all my grade school teachers. But when push comes to shove, you didn't buck Tom. 
No. You knew damn well better than you were. Then that was a bad decision. Yep. There was a paddle in his office. He wasn't afraid to use it. Yep. And he, he, he never even had to go that far. He just had to look in his eyes yeah. and the firm grip on he your shoulder. There, he stood there like this. And if push come to shove, he'd grab you by the shoulder. Mr. Reed, come to my office. And he would set you down firmly in the chair and have a firm conversation with you. And that was the end of it. Yep. Never had to use the paddle ever. And you were scared. I heard him use the paddle, but he never had to use it on me or you. <laughs> right. Or anybody in our class. No. So that ended a year or two in front of us. Yep. But it was still hanging on the wall. Yep. And you didn't fuck with him. You didn't screw with him. Nope. That's exactly right. But in today's world, that would be terrible. Yep. Yeah, and that, that's just, so for those of you watching, my house is a dictatorship. My kids have no rights. I make the ultimate call. I don't care if they like it or not. It's my fucking house. I pay the bills. I'm the one running the show. I don't reason with my kids. I don't bargain. We don't do nothing. If I tell you to do this, you're going to fucking do it, and that's the end of it. Yep. I've never once abused my kids. I've never laid a finger on them, and we get along fine, but... I don't, I, I just think it's bullshit when you try to be your kid's friend and, oh, and we're going to reason with you and, and shoot me straight. Uh, you can, God's on, you can tell the whole world right here. When my kids have went to your house, have they been awful? They're perfectly fine. The Reed kids are awesome. They're so awesome. well behaved, respectful. Same, Henry's same a weed eating machine. You can send him with, back anytime. <laughs> but it's the same when your kids come to our house. Boy. There has never once ever been an issue, ever. And we all parent the same way. Mm -hmm. This is my house. I'm running the show. And that's how I grew up. I didn't question my dad. I mean, that was the last thing you did. Yeah. I'll never forget the first time my mom said, wait till your dad gets home. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, we'll see how this goes. No. Nah, you won't. You'll, you'll, uh, you'll apologize a lot the next time to yeah. your mom before your dad gets home. My dad, my dad ruled like this. Whatever I say is going to happen is happening. His foot will not fit in my ass, but it wasn't for lack of trying to get it in there. Exactly. My mom is a super great person. I questioned her a few times on some things. Didn't really work out very long, very well long term. She was fair about it. I got no beatings that I didn't deserve. Deserved every one of them. My, what my dad said was law. What my mom said was law as well. He would back her on that. Right. She wasn't in control. She had some control in the backside of it. We never saw. They didn't argue in front of us. Right. You know, That's if, how my if, parents. If there was a decision to be made. I swear to God, my parents and your parents. And my dad team. come around to it. And when he came out. Yep. Boy, you sure wish you hadn't made that decision. Yep. Because it's going to be. And Carol and I are one. the same way. We don't argue. Like if, if I get home and she tells me that the kid's, you know, done whatever. And I know that she was clearly upset about it. I don't be like, well, you know, it's not that big of a deal. We deal with it yeah, with the kids. And then her and I may talk later and be like, well, you know, maybe next time it don't have to be that harsh of a punishment or, or whatever the case now. may be. Go ahead. <laughs> my, my love turned. Anyhow, so. Feminist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, so. Feminazi. The big thing is when this came around was the whole self-esteem issue. So. I'm trying to think now, back in the 70s where they were like, well, we need to build up kids' self-esteem, the whole anti-bullying thing. We need to make sure kids know they are enough. I don't believe in the word bullying. No, right. I, I refuse it. So, 
But that's where this, that's where all of these issues have come from because we, now we're preaching to our kids, well, no, no, you're enough the way you are. You're, you're just fine. Everybody else is wrong. And no, okay, so, you're, you, you're perfect just the way you are. So and this so is where you and it's I. It's a self-esteem thing. And as they build that up, it's actually breaking down the. This is where you and I differ because she's always Mrs. Positive. I'm Mr. Realist. I mean, seriously. I, I don't believe that you can go out and be anything you want to be in this world. That's bullshit. You can't be. Do you really think that a fucking quadriplegic can go out and beat Usain Bolt in a fucking race? Do you really believe that? I don't. Therefore, you cannot be anything you want to be in this world. You can't. you you got to have boundaries set that you can be anything you want to be to a certain extent. This goes back to my earlier statements, Tony. Between my dad and Clint Eastwood, they both told me a man's got to know his limitations. Exactly. And that's fact. That's exactly. Fact. There are things you're going to be good at, and there's things you're going to suck at, and you can work hard at things you suck at and get better. Right. But you're probably not going to be the best at And that's right. fine. But there's yeah. things you're going to be the best at, and you got to focus I, on those. I agree 100%. I'm, and I, I'm not knocking people that are in wheelchairs or whatever. I'm just being realistic. I, I get tired of people beating that into kids' heads that you can be anything you want to be because sometimes you can't. Take, take for instance, farming. Yeah. That's a very, very hard field to get into. You can't just say, I'm going to go to school for nine years and become a farmer. There's way more to it than that. Yeah. And the stars have to align, right, if, if your family didn't farm to make that happen, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it happened for me. I was very, very I'm not going to be Warren Buffett. Exactly. And that's fine. Exactly. So I just don't buy this. That, and, and honestly, do you honestly think a 400-pound kid in the eighth grade is going to be the state pole vault champion? I'm just being real. Do you really think that's going to happen? No. Take a hell of a pull. If he watches Revenge of the Nerds and gets Lamar's deal, he might. On the javelin. (laughs) On the javelin. (laughs) On the javelin. But I'm I'm just being realistic. I I think when you tell people that they can be anything that they want to be, I think it's it's false hope and you you damage it. Okay, so I think that there's a a line to cross there. A very thin line. So I agree with you. Nobody can, you can't be anything you want to be. You have to know your own limitations. But I also think that you need to teach your children to push those limitations so they aren't just like well i'm never going to be a very fast runner so i'm just i'm just going to give up right now you have to teach them yes you can do more and you have to push those limits no you're not going to be a usain bolt but you can do great things as well i have no issue with pushing kids but to just flat out because to me that's a bald-faced lie when you tell a kid that they can be anything that they want to be I think that's a lie. I, I, I truly believe that. I just, I don't think, do, do you think that my son right now could be the president of Russia? Well, he ain't Russian, so that's going to be tough. So, I, I so does that, does, does that not United eliminate States. the fact that he could be anything he wanted to be? Well, yeah, you're exactly right. I go through the same battle with my son on a nightly basis. We play basketball. We got a Nerf hoop. We play basketball pretty much morning and night. And it frustrates when, I'm, when I beat him. Been playing basketball basketball for a long time, and I'm way taller than he is. It's a Nerf hoop. The hoop hits right. me about here. Yep, maybe here. I can beat him ten nothing if I really want to. I don't. Right. I don't let him win. Sometimes he's on a hot streak. I don't block every shot he can take, but it burns him when I beat him. I'm like, it's part of life, bud. Yep. Because I've been playing longer than you. I'm taller than you. I'm better at it than you. Let me ask you all you. Let me ask all you guys this: then. If your kids can truly be anything they want to be, anything, can your son be a woman? No, 
He was born a male. Exactly. So does that not eliminate it right there? To me, it does. Yeah. You cannot be anything you want to be. Nobody at this table is disagreeing with you. No, I, no, I just say <laughs> We're all on the same page. We're all on the same I, page. I just we? think it's wrong to, to beat it in kids' heads that they can be anything. Right, right now, Kelly's thinking, boy, I wish I had to sign up for this podcast. <laughs> no, not at all. Because I have definite opinions on it as well. I mean, I, I agree. Yeah. Would you care to elaborate on that? <laughs> She's like, no. <laughs> I think, I think that as parents, I don't think we ever say you can be, I, I, Nick and I, I don't think either of us have ever said to our kids, right. and, and you we, can be we anything don't, but you as, can want to be. As a society, they teach that. You know I, what I mean? think what we try to say is, um, well, first of all, like our goal for them is to be a Christian, you know, number one, top priority, no matter what, a Christian. Um, and then number two, I think. You know, like I personally, years ago, I read a study where they're like, if you tell kids, you know, how smart they are, they rely on their intelligence. But if you tell them how hard of a worker they are, they learn to rely on their hard work. And so that's what we try to promote is, is work hard, work hard. And, you know, Max will get frustrated at basketball or whatever when he's playing with Nick or even just on his team or whatever. And there's never, we don't ever coddle that. I'm like... I'm sorry you're disappointed that, you know, you didn't get as much playing time. Work harder. Mm -hmm. Like, you have two parents that will practice with you. Work harder. That is the difference, you know? You know, but it it is very interesting on how, you know, my kids genetically came from Kelly and I, but, you know, both of them came from Kelly, and they have very drastically different views on how to accomplish a goal. Yeah drastically different and we've parented them basically the same but very different avenues of approaches i won't elaborate on it because i don't want to call either one of them out on it but it's interesting to see how they both go about it and then so that that prompts me to look back on how my brother and i approached similar subjects or whatever and tony's met my brother known him your whole life basically and he's all go Gonna run through a wall. All right. Yep, he'll do it. Run through the wall. I'm gonna take a little bit more PC approach, but still run through the wall. One of my kids has more of the run through the wall approach. The other one has a little bit less of run through the wall approach. It's hard to bring them around to the run through wall approach. It's hard to teach that. I don't know why it's that way, but but it is. You know, and Kelly and I are both run through the wall people for the most part. I say, I'm going to take a, a more PC avenue than my brother on it. And Kelly's probably the most run through the wall person in her family. But it's just interesting to see the differences in, in how your offspring approach that topic. Like I said, I, you know, whether you play or not, it's not all sports. It can be math, homework, or whatever. You want to get better at You want to get better at anything in life? Practice it. Do it. Yeah, you want to be over the best ditch digger in the world? Grab a shovel. You want to be the best math, best mathematician? Do math in your free time. You want to be the fastest reader in your class? Read a book. You know? Yeah. You can Google it and be like, I do a YouTube video on it. No, once you actually do it. But most people don't take that approach anymore. I don't think we read that book in book club. Malcolm Gladwell's uh, outlier where he talks about the 10,000 hour rule where 
you become an expert at something after you've done something 10,000 hours, you know, and not that, you know, there's a natural talent that comes with someone with those same bolt or whatever, but, but also the, the more, you know, and I've told the kids the story, like Max will get frustrated about something with basketball or whatever. And so I've shared with him the story about Michael Phelps, who after he didn't do well, I don't know which Olympics it was for four years straight, he did not take one single day off. He practiced on Sundays and holidays. And he was like, over the course of four years, yeah. Those hours I had, he's like, at our level, we're all talented or whatever. He goes, it comes down to practicing and perfecting. And he's like, by not taking one single day off, I had 200 and some hours, you know, above my competition. And so then he comes to the next Olympics and, you know, and so I'm like, Dominance. it comes down to the hours you spend perfecting that craft, whatever it is you want to be good at. You know, it's, and I think one of our kids understands that. And the other is like, why am I not naturally talented in this area that I'm not God's gift or whatever? And I'm like, no, it's, 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 it's about, it's about the hours spent doing whatever it is you love. So I know you and I have talked about the book can't hurt me by David Goggins. Mm -hmm. And I love that. Book. Like he talks about that a lot where <clears throat> he's like, there are people who just want to live a mediocre life. And then there are people who are willing to go the distance and, Going the distance is never easy. It's never fun. You are going to wake up and be like, I do not want to do this. But you do it anyways because you want to be superior. Mm -hmm. You want to push yourself or do whatever. And there are just certain people who are totally fine with walking this path in life. And then there's other people who are like, no, I'm, I want to push my boundaries. Mm -hmm. I want to go the distance. And you, but, know, you know, Nick and I talked about that on a couple podcasts ago. You know, the average American sees, just use a Garth Brooks for, Brooks, for example, the, you know, oh, he's worth so much money and look at his life and luxury. But if the average American followed him around for 12 hours, they would collapse. Yeah. They don't realize how hard, hard he them work. people work. Mm -hmm. You know, they, all they see is the CMA awards and, you yeah. know, and he gets to go out on stage and run around like a crazy man and sing a song and that's easy money. But they didn't see the millions of hours that them guys put in behind right. the scenes. Mm -hmm. To make that happen, and you know, uh, I, I think hate, that's... I hate to keep taking it back to basketball, but look at Michael and Kobe, mm -hmm. arguably, and Larry Bird, arguably the three hardest working players in my generation of watching sports or, or basketball. You know, Kobe shot what fifteen hundred shots a day. Yeah, you watch his interviews. I just watched one today. Guy goes on the court. Kobe's already playing. Practices at the other end of the court. Guy gets done with his workout. He watches for a half hour. Kobe's still playing. After the game, Kobe beats him. He's like, hey, man, what are you still doing out there? He's like, I just want to let you know that no matter how hard you work, I'm going to outwork you. You're never going to outwork me. You can't do it. I will play 24 hours a day if that's what it takes to beat you. But that work ethic anymore is very hard to instill and very looked down upon. Cripes, we can't find anybody to work five hours at a, at a McDonald's anymore. So I know he's a little liberal, but like The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, he was like, I'm the hardest worker out there. I will be at the gym before you are, and I will stay at the gym later than you are every single day because I want to be the hardest worker in the room. And yeah. that's why he has the success it's he just has. just like if, if you watch the dance, Michael Jordan's yep. documentary, yep. that was his biggest thing in there. I mean... I'll never ask you to do something I won't do, exactly. but I will outwork you every time. Yep. Exactly. And, I mean, that guy, he pushed his whole team to be better. Exactly. And which is what made him the GOAT. Yeah, exactly. And, and Kobe is the same way. Like, I will do the things you won't do mm -hmm. every day, all day, 
and you'll never catch me because you're not willing to do it. Right. And, and, and not being that person is just fine, but just don't sit around and bitch about the fact that yeah. you're not that person. Right. Exactly. Do I get beaten a lot of things in life, tractor pulling, whatever it is I do. But I'm not sitting around bitching about it. Right. And the thing is, you know, whether it's Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, whoever, you know, oh, he's worth $100 million. Well, if it was that easy, we would all be worth $100 million. Yeah. We don't see the the work that went in from the time they were little kids. Yeah. Everything that they missed in life because they were playing basketball, doing it. Just like you say, you know, Kobe Bryant shooting 1,500 shots a day. Mm-hmm. You know, that sounds like easy. Well, I'd rather do that than go to work. Okay, well, pick up a basketball some Saturday when you're not at work and go shoot 1,500 shots and see yeah. how hard that is. That's not an easy task. That's not an easy task. And do that every Saturday, yeah. plus Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, yeah. until you make 75% of them, yeah. and then call an NBA team and exactly. they'll hire So you. like I say, we would all be worth that money if it was yeah. that easy. We would just sign up and go play for the Lakers, but it don't yeah. work that way. It don't work that way. Right, so the not to, I don't even know what I'm going to say. Hi, <laughs> Anyhow, but if you think about it, though, people always say, you know, you have all these people that are the hardest workers in the room or whatever. But in our day and age, our life has been made so comfortable. Like, yeah. we we know we can get to this point by just doing the bare minimum. So yeah. we're going to do the bare minimum to do that versus these other people who have the mindset, I'm going to, I'm all in. I'm going all in on this. And there are so few people that do that anymore because our lives are so comfortable right now with technology and everything. Could, we just, could you imagine if I would have told my grandpa in 1983 that you're going to have guys mm-hmm. who literally stop their tractor on the end of the field and set the rest of the afternoon because it wouldn't drive itself? Right. Yeah. Even though they could just grab the steering wheel and keep going, yeah. they refuse to do that. They won't even sit there with their hand on the steering wheel and drive. Yeah. I think they just need a sound guard body cam. Oh, I do too. And some cassette tapes. Vision guard. A couple of Reba. Vision guard. Vision guard cab. Roxette. That was another big one when I was. I love Roxette. Yeah. (laughs) No, you're exactly right. Like, we've got it so easy now. Like, I don't want to downplay the people that have a bad plight in in life. But generally speaking, people can listen to a podcast or not in this category. We have it easy enough here now for the most part in general that we can't even necessarily fathom what the other half is doing right you know you know if you if you talk to your dad long enough your dad her dad whoever and you talk about when they were 17 15 13 their worst day it's pretty bad their best day, probably not as bad as our best day. Yep. Or as our worst day. Like, their right. best day is not as bad as our worst day. In general. Right. And we, you know, it's all relative. But as a society in general. Like, we've escalated in some ways. And we, we've got it easier. And to take that a step farther, that's why I've always said this country is in the shape that it's in. Mm-hmm. Nobody's, and I'm, don't. I'm not advocating for civil war, whatever you want to say. I'm just saying that's why nobody has ever fixed this country. We're too comfortable. Yeah. Absolutely. It's too easy. I mean, seriously. When you're in a third world country and it gets bad, it's like, at this point, I have nothing to lose. Yeah. And you're going to do whatever it takes. We all have something. But here, it's just like, God damn, they raised my taxes again, but, you know, I can can pay it. I'm going to stay here. And, you know, and and so it's never going to change. I've always said this country is like an alcoholic. It will never change. 
until you hit rock bottom where you're laying yeah. in the gutter on your deathbed and people are like, we got to stop. This is yeah. out of control. And we are far from that. I mean, mm-hmm. way far from that. We're comfort addicts. Exactly. Yeah. We're comfort addicts. Exactly. Nowadays. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, all it would take is for the federal government to just shut off cell phones. Yeah. Nothing else. You can have your AC, you can have your cards, you can have your electricity, everything. We're just going to shut cell phones off. Then I think it would be a revolution in the streets. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've become so addicted to certain comforts that we won't go without them. We'll forego all the others yeah. just to keep the one. Well, I just look back, you know, I'm 42. Everybody in here is 40-ish. Nobody likes you, Carolyn. <laughs> <laughs> Some a little older, some a little younger. Hello. You go back to when our parents were that age. Okay. So everything was proportionally way cheaper. Mm-hmm. But it was still way rougher. Right. We're we're way ahead on the scale right. of housing. Right. A new car cost you three thousand dollars, but you only made two dollars an hour. Yeah. It, everything yeah. is proportionally We're better off today than we were then. Yeah. In in theory. In theory. Because me and dad were actually talking about this here a while back. In like 1987-ish, roughly, my Uncle Joe, that would have been my great uncle, been my dad's Uncle Joe. And I don't remember how old he was in 1987. I'm going to say he was 72, 73. And dad said, you know, I never really thought about this till years after the fact, but Uncle Joe never had air conditioning his whole life. Mm-hmm. Never yeah. grew up with it. And in the 80s, some people had it, some people didn't. It wasn't like today where yeah, everybody's just everybody's got it. got it. And I think by then, you know, they were retired and old enough in life. They just, they didn't have it because they'd never had it before, so they didn't know what they were missing. And so he's like, you know, it's kind of weird to think about that in 1987 when he died, never knew air conditioning. Mm-hmm. You know. All right, so here's a fun fact. Whenever I, I, whenever I moved out when I was 20 years old, we never had air conditioning at my mom and dad's house. So when I was 20 years old living on my own, it was the very first time I'd ever had air conditioning, ever. And it, it was a huge luxury. Like, I was ecstatic about it. And, like, in our now, fast forward 10 minutes later, 15 years, and yeah, we're like, we, we can't survive without it. We will die if we don't have air conditioning, you know? And it, it, it makes you realize the comforts that we were absolutely so used to in this life, you know? Well, it, Nick's mom and I will have this conversation sometimes. She'll try to tell me some story from her childhood and, and you know, growing up in an old farmhouse or whatever. And, and I will say to her, I'm like, Arlene, you were born in the 50s. I was born in the 80s and we had the exact same childhood. You know, I grew up in an old, old farmhouse. There wasn't a furnace. We had a wood stove. My entire childhood, I'd get home from basketball practice at five We'd have to go out with dad to help with the cattle and the horse chores. And then dad would go inside and then Karen and I and Kim would stay outside and we had to bring enough wood from the wood pile to the porch. Yep, same here. We had a wood stove. Mom and dad to heat the stove, the whole, the heat the house the next day. The, and there, so upstairs, we would wake up in the morning and you'd see your breath because there was no heat up there. There was just a couple of those big registers for the heat to rise, you know, and, um, if the wind blew right on a snowy day, we'd wake up with snow in our bedroom because the windows were such crap, you know, and, um, you know, it just, it's, you know, it's just, it was a great childhood though. It was a great childhood. And I, Nick and I have had that conversation that our kids, like, how do we, we'll never know the plight. 
They'll never no. know that the right. work that you know. had to do. You know, we'd go in then after hauling wood to the porch, eat supper, and then you had homework and, and yep. baths. There was no shower. There was just a bath. At the time, <laughs> when I was a kid, so I was born in 1980. I was the youngest of three. So we was all born 76, 78, and 80, mm-hmm. all two years apart. We were not allowed video games. We didn't have four-wheelers. We didn't have none of that shit. And at the time, it was like our parents were communists. You know, I can't believe all my friends got Nintendos, <laughs> got four-wheelers. We weren't allowed none of that. But we were forced to go outside and use our imaginations. And we played outside all And that's what we day did. Long. We literally got three all channels. All day long. And, I, and I'm honest to God. I'm not one of these people that, oh, my God, look how bad I had it as a kid and mm-hmm. walked to school uphill both ways. You know, all, I, I'm not. I'm truly not. But... That was literally how it was. We yeah. literally had three channels, yeah. no video games. Yep. Your dad got to watch the TV. Whatever he was watching was yes. what you watched by default. One of our five default. channels. Exactly. Yep. But looking back now, at the time it sucked. Looking back now, I don't regret it at all. No. I. My biggest thing is, like, I struggle because that's exactly how I grew up. Like, antenna, no air conditioning, all those things. Like, I want to parent my children that same way, yeah. but I also want to make sure they're prepared for the world they're living in, right. because our world is nothing but computers and devices. And oh, stuff I, like I agree. Our and kids I, need to. I, I want to make sure they understand that, but I also want to make sure they appreciate the things, like I appreciated them, you know? We live on 36 acres, and our kids have not left the driveway for the six years that we've lived here. Well, very so very very good very very so yeah. yeah i'm like if that would have been if you would have dropped me in this place at their mm-hmm. age you would have not seen me from about nine right. o'clock in the morning right and it's not like we're helicopter parents like i no. flat out told the kids i'm like be back by lunchtime and i'm like you guys have watches right. whatever yeah. Great, and then, granted our kids will play outside but they don't play the way we did right they'll right. go out in the yard and they'll play ball or or do whatever and be outside most of the day but we would have been gone in the pasture you wouldn't have seen mm-hmm. us we'd have been building forts yeah and living like indians yeah we did and that's you know, exactly we what, did that's exactly what we did when we were kids like we'd haul blankets out we'd ha- we'd get the tractor with the wagon mm-hmm. we'd load it all up with we stuff we'd disappear in the pasture my mom would literally lock the doors and leave us like bread and bologna and be like, feed yourself. We would go to the the water hydrant and turn it on and drink water. You didn't go inside for a drink. Hell no. They might might make you stay inside. (laughs) To work. Then you'd have to clean. You did not want your parents to see you because they were going to give you chores. And so you were like, did she see me? Did she not? Did you see me? And I think it's just, it's just a different mentality. So, if you would have dropped Nick and I at the Louisville Farm Show at 13 and 9 years old, mm-hmm. we would have not left there till we sat in every tractor and combine in that place. We would have been there till 9 o'clock that night. Within an hour and a half, our son was fairly bored. He would have went either way. He, he would have stayed if everybody would have said stay. If you just said, let's go swimming, we're going swimming. But that's just how we rolled back then, where nowadays it's like, they look at it real quick, and then it's like, okay, we're, we're done with it. We're ready to move on, you know, but we would have never The attention it. span. Yeah, we... Everything, I, I guarantee boom, you, boom, boom, boom. And, and Nick will back me. He's just walking through the door now getting beer, but wouldn't you agree, Nick, at the farm show, if you would have dropped us in there at 13 and 9 years old, you and I would have not left until we sat on every tractor and every combine that was there. And, and our sons, they enjoyed it. There was no issue, but they got bur- bored with it pretty quick. Yeah. Right? I think... I think Nick and I would both admit that probably one of our biggest regrets was not having more kids. 
Colby's very good about entertaining herself. She's a barn rat. She will go out to the barn and spend nine hours organizing it on a Saturday. Max, though, on the other hand, Max needs... Max needs about three brothers because if there's other boys there, we we live on seven acres surrounded by 30 acres of woods. And he's like, let's go to the stream. Let's do this. Let's we'll never do that. see him if there's another boy. If there's there, another boy there, we don't see him. But otherwise, he's just in the house wandering around. And Henry's the exact same way. Like, if he has friends to play with, yeah, he's like, see you, Mom, and mm-hmm. he disappears off in the pasture. And that is probably one of my biggest regrets, as I always tell somebody. I was like, I wish we had one more son. Yes, Because Henry would have had somebody to yeah. go explore and do yeah. that kind of stuff with. I was fortunate in that regard. I had my brother to teach me the good and the bad. <laughs> but it goes hand in hand. And, you know, back to the parenting thing and the and the times being harder and whatnot. Like, I remember growing up, and you don't necessarily appreciate it till it's too late. But my, my dad's, I, you know, my dad grew up hard. Like, his childhood wasn't rosy and sweet. His idea of a weekend when I was growing up was to do work, but just less work than he would do on a Monday or a Friday. Like his Saturdays and Sundays were still work, but it's a little bit less work than than previous days. You know, we'd wax a truck. I mean, elbow, elbow grease, elbow grease. You know, had to put it in all the time. You know, you know, we we clean, take bug and tar remover off the chrome bumpers every freaking vehicle we had, every weekend. You don't really appreciate that at the time. You hate it, but later on, you're like, you know what? That wasn't all bad. Like that was a fine plan on his part. Kind of wish I did that more. Of course, now all the bumpers are painted, and you you don't do it as much. But so my dad was an over the road truck driver or whatever. And he would be gone for weeks on end, and then he would come home for two or three days. And our weekend would be when he got home, we would grease all the wheels, we'd yep. clean the semi out, we'd vacuum everything out, we'd do everything. And like that was that was super fun. That was, was a big fun. deal. It was, it was, you know, it was you were normal. yeah, and it was like exciting when Dad came home finally. Yeah. You know, you're like, oh, we we get to grease all the tires, we get to do this, this, and yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know what you're saying there. Now that'd be child abuse, I know. you know, unfortunately. It's just a different lifestyle, and that's one of the things, like, I I struggle with a lot because I want my kids to grow up not poor, but I want them to grow up appreciating the things. Like, mm-hmm. I appreciated it because yeah. I grew up poor. Like, we didn't have all the things yeah. like everybody else did, but I appreciate so much of that more, and I want my kids to appreciate that. But I've always said, too, though, and me and Nick always talk about this because I still swear we had the same parents. My parents were not helicopter parents. No. Mm-hmm. My mom and dad laid down. It, it didn't matter where you went, if it was in town, to a get-together, to a friend's house, whatever. Yeah. You had ground rules that were laid down. They were just a given, but they, they got re- set of rules. And they got reiterated in the car right on the way yes. there. And then, I don't want to see you the rest of the night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You show up, we're leaving. Yeah. And so we didn't. We done everything we could to stay out of our parents' sight. Yeah. And if, now nowadays kids are very clingy. If we were on a, if we we're on a two acre property back in the day, we we're in the farthest corner from where, yeah. wherever the adults were. And if somebody got hurt, you, you got you, clo- you never said if somebody got hurt. No, you they ne- had to be bleeding out their eyes. <laughs> right. You never told an adult that, because that meant we all had to go. That, home. Yep. that was the end of all of it. Yeah. We were as far away as we could be. <laughs> but she she probably. And she don't helicopter parent, but she, she's a little more I watchful. I, yes, I am. 
I guess you would I'm say. I'm way more concerned than you are. Where I'm just like, let them go. You know, they're going to be fine. I mean, what? You know, she acts like if they walk 20 feet from the house, somebody's going to kidnap them. I'm like, they're going to be fine. I watch I watch a lot of We're in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> That's exactly the thing. We're in the middle of nowhere. We're, they we're walk outside. We had to buy a two-story house so the kids could finally have their windows open. Yeah, I can't. I can't have windows open on the first floor at night. Like Nick's, like Kelly, and I'm like, for real. I, I just watched a documentary about leaving your windows open. Don't do it. Like, Don't do it. Do you it. know how many kids are kidnapped by somebody cutting out the screens? But I will say, like, and not to negate my, not to negate my neurosis or whatever. But I think that. There's so much information readily available. That's true. Like, we read yeah. all of that, and so we are super paranoid right. about it. There's right. so and much so, different mindset. When Tony and I were kids, invariably, every summer, the same thing would happen. There's a red van, there's a white van, there's a oh, blue yeah. van with no windows, and they're kidnapping kids. And what did we do every time? We got on our bikes, we grabbed those little mini bats that give you a Cardinals game, and we loaded up, we're like, we're going to find those sons of bitches. <laughs> Yeah, like we were in our town. This would be the last town they brought us in in, our, in, in, in America. Yeah. We're going to whip their ass. Right. We're eight years old. I'm not even making that up. That was literally every time you heard that rumor, your parents would be like, hey, keep an eye out for this band. It's like, oh, yeah, we're looking for them. Yeah. As soon as we <laughs> find them, you'll be reading about them in a newspaper tomorrow. And we'll get Could you ass. imagine now if you put that on Facebook, there's a red van potentially kidnapping kids. Oh, my goodness. There is no kid going outside in yeah. town. No, for, for years. No. Yeah, for years. My favorite part of that we're, is the parents are telling them about this van and to stay away from it. And they're like, we have been looking for right. it. We are hunting it down. The better part is, though, is the parents. They're like, hey. You know, if you guys ride eight blocks up to the park, just keep an eye out for this van. You know, yeah, they're, they're probably yeah. going to confront you, but yeah. you know, just walk they're, the other way. You might get kidnapped, so just keep an we eye had, out for that. We had a whole plan. It's like, well, we're going to hide some people over here. We're going to lure them over there. As soon as we get them around this corner, like, we're just beating the shit out of these guys in this van. We've heard of, we've heard the tale. They're in this. There's two people in a van. Yeah. There's eight of us. We can totally take them with our Cardinals. Yeah. Little mini bats. We're, we're eight years old. We're taking them down. Yeah. You know, I mean, Craig, up the two left crew. We're going to get them. Yeah. So a friend of ours talks has talked before about her her aunt had like seven or eight kids, and she used to during the summer um, send the kids outside with a uh, sleeve of saltine crackers, mm-hmm. a gallon of iced tea, and a roll of toilet paper, and then lock the door. And yeah. I'm like, I think I might. Take that. <laughs> I'm going to adopt that policy this summer and be like, do not come in. Oh, honestly, in Tony and I's childhood. That wouldn't have affected us at all. We wouldn't have been close enough back to the house yeah. to get the tea. We're like, yeah. hey, fucking hey, we didn't have to go home for dinner. Now. Paper. Yeah, we're like, we're golden. We're golden. I, my dad went to went to build a grain bin one year, and I don't know, all these cinder blocks were developed. I cannot even tell you how many hours my sisters and I spent rearranging those cinder blocks into a house. And we played that for a while. And then we played a restaurant for a while. And then, like, then a flower shop. I mean, those cinder blocks was the endless imagination yeah. of five girls. I mean, we spent and, months and playing I, with them. I honestly think that's why, and, and I, I don't mean this if my kids listen to this on down the road. I, I don't mean this in any way like this. But my kids are not problem solvers. Like, yeah. you know, Nick and I, literally, at eight years old, it's like, 
well, my bike's screwed up. If I tell Dad, then he's just going to get pissed and blow up at me, so we yeah. got to fix this and bike. My dad's got to cut up and throw it in junk. Exactly. So we got to get this fucking thing fixed so we can ride bikes. Where my kids are like, tire's flat. It's, it's junk. I'm, I'm just going to go inside and watch TV now. I'm done. Yeah. And it's like you can't put air But in I tire. think that's part of the disposable society we live in where it's like, oh, we can buy anything brand new like that. Amazon Prime, whatever, yeah. and so, and they pick up on that. I mean, how but many I, times? How many times have you been like, "Oh, I need a new this." Ordered it two days well, later, it's there. I, I they see that disposability. I disagree. I think it's the fact that they don't have to use their imaginations. Yeah, partially, but I also think they see the disposableness of society. It could be. My kids think the greatest thing ever is that stream just down from you guys' house. So this summer, we're just going to take turns giving them toilet paper, sleeves of crackers, and, and I'm in. I'm in. And I'll, and I'll like, even give Ritz go. instead of saltines. Go. I'll even buy Ritz instead of saltines. <laughs> when I was a kid, I remember we spent one whole summer. Somebody had told us you could make bombs out of corn cobs, black tape, and gasoline. <laughs> I cannot tell you the number of corn cobs that we pilfered back from the farm. Threw in a bucket of gasoline, wrapped them in electrical tape, <laughs> and tried to. They, dude, they do not explode. But we spent a lot of time doing this. Or a lighter and spray paint. Make it a flat, which is a terrible idea. Kids, don't do it at home. It will blow up in your hand. Right. But I spent two summers doing both of those items. Never accomplished my goal, but it was still super fun. Between that and fours, like I think about back in the day, my dad be like, "Okay, you're going out to to Chank Lanks Woods. All right, took off in the four wheeler that morning." Come back when this right before the streetlights get on. Had it timed down good, and that was all good. I won't hardly let my kids drive right to the end of the driveway mm-hmm. and back. But back in the day, it's like, here's the keys. Yeah. See you later. And if your parents were as good as mine, no helmets, no nothing. Just yeah. take off. Well, <laughs> no big deal. My dad was a pretty big helmet guy after my dad or after my brother knocked himself unconscious and ended up in the <laughs> ER for a while. But before that, he mentioned it a lot. We didn't always act on it. I'm more of a rule follower than my brother, which is why he got knocked unconscious. <laughs> After that, helmets were mandatory. But yeah. So I have to throw in this story. So whenever I grew up, we had a huge yard. And that, like we'd push mow the entire yard because that's what we did. And then we'd have to hand rake the entire yard. And I will never forget, all of us girls, I had four sisters, we would rake all of the grass into lines and make a house out of it and so yeah my mom would look out the window and we had raked all of our piles of grass into lines and we had a bedroom and a kitchen and we drag all these things and like i'm like my kids do not have that imagination no. like they they're missing out like i need to tell my kids to go rake the yard yeah. so they can figure that out yeah. right but that's why when i tell you tell the kids to go play in the pasture I do. Right. And they walk to the edge of the fence and like, now we're bored. I'm like, well, tough shit. (laughs) This electric fence, get on the other side of it, and don't come back till 4 o'clock. We had this great old barn at our place growing up. It was one of those, it was built into a hill. And so the area that was built into the hill is where, you know, there were the stalls for for the horses. And then there was two two concrete ramps that went up to the, the floor you know, at the main level, and that's where the granary was. And that was so you could pull horses, a horse-drawn wagon up, unload the grain, and then it would come down the other side. And then, of course, the haymow up top. And the irrigation just south of our house, the, the gun on the end would spray the pasture around that barn. So my sisters and I would put on our swimsuits, and we would go stand on that ramp, and that was, you know, how we 
that was our swimming pool of sorts, just getting hit by the irrigation, you know, back in the Coming day. Coming around once a day. Yeah, <laughs> See right? you back here <laughs> We've got 20 minutes here to have a grand old time. So anyway, we decided to be super smart one time and take Tupperware glasses out there and let the irrigation fill those cups up to drink out of when we got hot. So we forget to bring them in. And then that night, dad, mom's like, I'm missing a whole bunch of glasses. And so then we're like, oh, and we tell them. And then my dad's like, he goes, don't, don't drink the irrigation water. We apply chemicals. <laughs> that explains a lot of what's wrong with you. So we actually had, there was a old grain bin in our backyard, yeah. but it like it had fallen apart or whatever. So it was just, it was like, I don't even know how to say it. It was like the shadow of it or whatever you want to say. And that was our playhouse. Yeah. And like we, we drug all of our stuff out there every yes. single day. We load up the tractor and wagon. We fill it with plates, dishes, yes. whatever, and we would spend the entire day out there just playing house. We had that same lawnmower with yes. wagon. Yes, you and we had would this put discussion. our sleeping bag in the yep. back, and then all five of us girls. There was one driver, and then the other four mm. of us would get in this wagon with the sleeping bag and i had a ghetto blaster <laughs> that i had bought not a boom box no, no. not a radio a, a ghetto, ghetto blaster i had bought with my bean walking money thank you very much and um we would play the monkeys cassette tape in that and drive around our whole farm up and down the hills and singing daydream believer at the top of our lungs for I, hours i figured it would be amy grant i really did. Oh, i just whispered that to Tony. we just I was had like, her amy record grant. we only had her records not her cassette <laughs> so like we had a huge pasture area behind our house and so mm-hmm. we would do the same thing it'd be like five o'clock in the morning mom would load all of us up We'd head out the pasture and pick blackberries all yeah. day. And, like, that was our our big event. That yeah. was our Saturday morning. You've, you've also got to admit, parents, and I'm as guilty as this as anybody, they don't trust their kids as much. Like, no. I can remember Dad telling me stories, like, when he was, like, eight, nine years old. It's like nothing. You know, the kid just gets on the corn planter. And they basically, yeah. him and his brothers done all the farming when they mm-hmm. were, like, ten years old because Grandpa was working off yeah. the farm. Which, you know, nowadays the machinery is different, and it's... It's a lot more of a business. Back, yeah. back then, it was still a business. It was, but just labor. It was you also got, a lifestyle. You got just a lot labor. more money on the line nowadays. Yeah. But could you imagine if you just told your nine and ten year old kids, "Hey, you guys, you that's just lowball. You guys got three hundred acres of corn to plant this year. Go get it planted." I mean, would you do that as a parent? No, no. But I can. I mean, that's how it was at my, at my place. You know, Dad worked in town. He had the shop to run, and Heath and I have done the farming as long as I can remember. I mean. Dad was involved in it. I'm not taking anything away from my dad. And not like he didn't check in with us or whatnot. But I'm like, you know, dad or my brother has planted corn. I can remember my dad planting corn, but it was like late 80s, early 90s. No till drills come out. I started planting the beans. Dad hasn't planted in 30 years. Yeah. Maybe 40. You know, it'd be 30, you know, 30 to 40 years for the most part. I remember, you know, he was getting dropped off here, there, wherever, you know, just run this tractor, you know, work the ground or whatever. Drive them down the road. When you you get done, stop. We'll come get you, you know, or whatever, you know, tell you about it. You know, my brother, he would, I usually disc and he would field call bait. So I wait till he got done and then we would drive back to the farm together. And that was 
nine. I mean, I was large for my age, so that helped in in some regard, I guess. But still on a twelve fifty six, or you know, like yeah. on an H or an M. Twelve fifty six. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just the mentality of parents have changed because I. And, I, and I'll admit, I, you know, I give my wife shit about, you know, whether it be helicopter parenting or whatever. I think about the thousands of miles I rode in the back of a pickup truck. Absolutely. At four I'll or never, five years old with mom and dad driving, didn't think nothing about it. I'll never Down forget. the highway at 60 miles an hour. riding in the back of the truck, my, my brother and I, we're cruising along the back of a truck, and there's a snake on the road. Out of nowhere, we don't know there's a snake on the road. We're just riding the back of the truck shooting a breeze. My dad slams on the brakes. Slides on this snake, backs up, runs over like 15 times, back and forth, back and forth. We're beating off the glass, beating off the tailgate. He never once was any concern for our safety. It was all about killing that damn snake that was on the road. Yes. You know, pull so, out on the highway. You know, he's had me, he's got me driving the truck behind him. I'll never forget this. It was an 84 Ford diesel. Pull on the road, and I'm going to be a smart ass, so I got it in first. And I'll cackle it off a little bit and shift to second. I should have just taken off in second because first wasn't fast. I go to shift a second, and the gear shift just disappears. Like, it's it, it's not hooked to anything. So I'm honking the horn, flashing the lights, He and it's right as we pull on the highway. He comes back, gets it clicked into second. Something had happened. Some clip had fell out, whatever it was. Drive it down the farm. But I'm like nine. Right. I'm like... On the highway. On the highway, mind you. <laughs> you know? Not a big deal. That's just the way it was. I'm like, oh, crap, what if I get dead... What if we get pulled over by a cop? But, you know, my dad's a mountain of a man back then. I'm like, cop pulls I, up to us. Dad's going to tell him to fuck off. And he's right. going to tell him, hey, yep. I told my son to drive that truck, get your ass back in your yep. car. That's just how it was. Well, you know? I, I know my wife is too young, and your wife didn't grow up around here. I will vouch for this to the day I die, and anybody that's my age or older will. It was common practice at nine years old to meet Nick on the highway in an 84 Ford diesel pickup truck. It was. I mean, that, right down the middle of the highway. Yeah. It's just, you, when it comes, you get close yep. to the farm, you took the middle of the road, you blocked traffic, pulled in. Yep. It was, it was like the, the I'm not going to say the talk of the community, but back then it was just standard knowledge. If you yeah. met Nick yeah. at nine years old on the highway. It wasn't a big deal. No yeah. big deal. You wave and go on. Yeah. I cool. mean, so would you do that with Max now? No, he's 10, and I wouldn't do that with him now, no. you know? I and, mean, you're, and you're old, man. That was standard. way busier, but still. But that was standard operating procedure with your dad. I'll never forget back in the day, my brother was actually driving. I was in the passenger seat, which was fairly rare. Usually, he was in a tractor. Dad was in a tractor, and I was in the truck at that time. And the driveway at the farm was super narrow. Yes, it was. So you always had to swing out to get your tractor in there or whatever. And Dad had a hard and fast rule on that. Like, people try to pass you on the right. You got to be mindful of that. Like, you got to take care of that. So, in true my brother fashion, car tries to pass us on the right. He yanks the wheel, pulls to the right. They dive off in a ditch. We make the turn. We pull in there. Dad pulls the tractor in the shed. We hop out. Dad hops in the driver's seat. We all slide over. We're good to go. We get to the end of the driveway. It's like, what's that car doing in the ditch? He's like, somebody's trying to pass us on the right. Dad's like, fuck them then. And we drove off. Exactly. <laughs> Never forget that. It was an 84 Ford, two-tone brown. Just like, yeah, hell with them then. We just drove off. Just like, it was no big deal. They tried to pass us on the right. Not a big deal. We just drove off. Went home. That, that was the end of the day. Yep. That's just the way you rolled back That's then. just the way you rolled. They can get themselves out. They tried to illegally pass you on the right. We had to turn signal on, flashers, the whole nine. Tried to pass us. The hell with it. Yeah, good times. The story from my childhood that, like, it just floors Nick. 
absolutely shaking his head right now. We had this old Alice Chalmers loader tractor that we used to, um, we had, we had two irrigations that were called towables. So they had three, Oh, what do you call? Uh, what do, I can't remember what they're called that you actually. Axles. You had to pick them up to you, turn the tire. You picked up the tower. Yep. And then turn the tie the tower straight, so you and then you towed them, them to yep. the next. Yeah. I can't remember what to the, the to the pivot pipe. And yes, hooked them up. yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. We had to do that every single day, and our big deal. And every morning we had to go help Dad do this during the summer. And we each had our job. Each of us knew what we were doing. Dad backed the loader tractor up, picked up the tower. Karen and I each had a wheel, spin around, put the bolts in, blah blah blah. Anyway, on the way home. We would beg dad to let us ride in the in the scoop, in the mm-hmm. bucket in the front. Yep, done that a hundred times. Okay, see? So we would That's he would raise it up. Practice. He would raise it up and then head home. Yeah. And Nick is like, This is proof your dad did not love you. <laughs> He's like, That is the most dangerous. That was thing the only ever. place we rolled rode. It really was. Oh no. We have like four kids around dad on the seat yeah. of the tractor. Well, yeah, because we're like, Well, there's three of us. You can't ride on the fenders. No. Just sit in the bucket. We rode, but I mean, like, road gear on the oh, way well, home. Well, no, the, no, yeah. oh, no, we didn't do that. <laughs> My dad's big game he would play was, you rode on the fender, and he would turn corners, and he would come up to a wide open, and he'd slam the brake and try to throw you off. Oh, yeah. gosh. If you lose that game, you die. Right. There's no winners in there. to see how well you were hanging on. And I'm like, it was super fun when I was a kid. I'm like, oh, here comes the corner. Dad's going to turn fast. So you grab on, and I'm like, if you lose that game, you're dead. Right. But it, it, it never dawned on me at the time that my dad's right. actually trying to kill me. <laughs> he's but I always hung up. Like, you know, he plays it soft the first time. He kind of tells you the rules. Yeah. And after that, you're like, corner. Yeah. I never fell off. It It is amazing, though, how our parents, I'm not going to say they didn't care, but yet. They didn't care. You know, if if I send my son, like yeah. literally, if he, if he takes off into the pasture on his four-wheeler, and I'm I'm way better than Carolyn, but after about 15 minutes, if I haven't seen him, I'm like, you know, and I'll ask her, you know, have you seen him go by, you know, where's he at or whatever? Yeah. I was like, well, no, I ain't seen him. So then now I'm getting a little more concerned, making sure he ain't turned it over or something. But my parents, yeah. it's like, no, you left at noon, and by like 4 o'clock, they're like, well, we was going to go home, but the kids ain't back, so they'll sit there and shoot the shit for another hour. I had to I had to walk out to the buildings along the highway, get the four-wheeler out, lock the buildings back up, ride the four-wheeler down the highway <laughs> to the first country road, cut around to Chank Lake's Woods, rides there all day, and hopefully come back and do the same thing and then walk back. My parents were like, man, it's good. You're like, you're fine, right? And at the time, you're like, oh, rock on I'm I'm golden. But in retrospect, you're like... Could have got killed there. That was a bad idea. Could have got killed there. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of it, but we always made it through. It was fine. I, I guess we need, I guess, just learn from what they did. I mean, yeah. they, they just didn't roll. care. Let it roll. <laughs> and, I, and, and they were right. You know, you kids will be fine. Yeah. And, and we was. And we were fine. Yeah, we were we fine. would go to the Illinois State Fair with my cousins and out of the group, because there was us three boys and then there was two of them. So... Out of the entire group, the oldest one would have been 12, all the way down to five or whatever. I would have been the youngest. And you just like, they're like, here's 20 bucks. We'll see you at noon. 
Yeah, well, and nobody thought about it. My parents would drop us off with cattle to the Illinois State Fair. Illinois State Fair. Statistics. <laughs> with like thirty bucks, not even money they gave us. It was money probably from detasseling corn or walking right. beans or whatever. We had no place to stay. We had a duffel bag of clothes, and we're like, we'll find somewhere to stay. Some parent, some parent yeah, who has a camper down here will let us sleep on the floor, and we would be there for two or three days, and then mom and dad would come down for show day. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I dare you to try that this summer with know, your right? kids. Like, just no. drop them off no. thirty bucks with twelve hundred pound steers. Colby for them to up take in Kelly, Kelly Col- tell me when you're dropping them off. I'll make sure they're. Col- I have Col- nothing, but Arizona, I'll take care of it. Max will beat us home. Yeah, <laughs> it's like we used to go the first time we went to Missouri, four wheeler riding or whatever, at a two hundred X three wheeler. These hills are super big, you know. And re- you know, in my mind. My three was at the back, fired up, I immediately take off. Zoom up and down, come back. Dad's got his all warmed up. He, you know, he's good to go. He's like, hey, that hill's pretty steep. Don't go up those. You know, shouldn't be doing that. And I'm 12 at the time, probably. I'm like, I already been up it twice. He's like, oh, no shit. I'm like, yeah, been up it twice. He's like, I guess you don't tell your mom. Have a good time. <laughs> right the rest of the day, up these literally mountains. <laughs> right. And not to mention the fact that that you rode in the back of the truck all the way to Missouri. Yeah, we rode in the back of the truck all the way from my house to Missouri. Back of the truck. A couple hour drive. Yeah. He's like, no, you're good. What was the name of the TV show that we watched for a while with Frank and... um, Shameless. 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 So our favorite line from that entire series, all eight or nine season, whatever, is when Frank is talking, telling someone how to be a good parent. He goes, the end of the day, being a good parent is just being a little bit negligent. (laughs) He's right. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's... I love my parents, but yeah. That's that's true. We, we were show, in church but... every Sunday, like Sunday yeah. school, you know, etc. Yeah. We worked, etc. Yep. But, but a little bit negligent here or there uh. by today's standards. And, and, and to be honest with you, my parents were probably stricter on us than their parents were on them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that. Sure. I mean, uh-huh. you know, my dad come from a family of fifteen kids. Oh, it was God. it was mass chaos. Yeah. And of course grandpa worked every day, so he was gone and yeah. you I don't care how good of a mom you are, you're not gonna manage a mob of kids. Which granted all fifteen of them kids were at home at the same time, you know, they were strung out of But still. But nonetheless, there were still a bunch of kids at home at any given time. Yeah. And you live in the country on a farm, access to guns, anything you want yeah. <laughs> at very young ages. Yeah. <laughs> and they turned out fine, you know. Yeah. I mean they I'm not gonna say they had no parenting, but it was very, very hands-off parenting. The parenting was my older siblings. I'll never forget in our younger days, before we could drive, and I don't even know how we got to your house. So we were out at a buddy's woods that we always hung out at, and we went to, to see if Tony wanted to go, because it's before cell phones. We oh, yeah. couldn't call Tony. Yeah, because we'd been like, what, 14, 15 years yeah, old? Yeah, somewhere right in there. So I think we rode our four-wheelers to your house, knock on Tony's door, Hey, Tony, you want to come to the woods, spend the night? Tony's like, nah, I'm good. We'd have been 14 because your brother's two years older. He just had his license. That's right. He, Tony's like, nah, I'm good. My, my parents will let me go out tonight. I'm, I'm good. So we hop on our four-wheelers. I guess Tony ain't in. We ride back to the woods. About 10 minutes later, here comes Tony. He, his parents ask him, what Nick and, and Brock want? Oh, they want me to go over the woods, but I figured you'd let me. Like, oh. 
You bum, you're not going to hang out here all the time. Alan, drive him over there. So <laughs> Alan had to drive him over there to where we're hanging out, where we literally had no phone, no water, no food. We had four-wheelers. And we did donuts in my brother's car, and, and we, blew it, <laughs> <laughs> we blew it up. And then he jump-started off a tiller. Right. The only other engine on that farm was a pull-start tiller. Tony's parents saw his, saw his antisocial behavior and were like, no, yeah. no, that's not, no, not accepted. No, no, go out there. You're doing yeah. all the things. So yeah. <laughs> good good thing your parents did that, right, Kelly? <laughs> yeah. That was our weekend. I, I don't regret my childhood. <laughs> we didn't childhood. go home for two days. Yeah. Oh, see, and I wish that I had that. That was on a Friday. That. We didn't go home till Sunday. I, I don't regret my childhood all the way. I, I don't regret anything. No. If I died tomorrow, I don't regret anything that I've done in life. I've no, had a blast. It, yeah. it, it really has. I come from a great family. My parents are still married to this day. I didn't have to go through the, the divorce deal. Yeah. You know, I'm very Married fortunate. a really amazing wife. Exactly. <laughs> you know, but from all that aspects, I did. I just, I really, and at the time, it always seemed like you had the short end of the stick. You know, yeah. it's like, God damn you. Look so what everybody else had. better, but. But yeah. looking back now, it's like, I don't care. They could have had all the video games, all the shit they wanted. Because you appreciate what you have more now. Well, I think you do, but but back then also, it it just made you be one of them kids that you use your imagination. You mm-hmm. done, and I'm not I'm not for one instant gonna say that I grew up hard or poor or whatever because that wasn't the case. But we just grew up fun. It I'll was never for going out to to Chanks Woods and being like, here here's a bucket of bullets, twenty twos, literally five hundred rounds. Have a good weekend. And we'd literally shoot 500 rounds into random trees. Right. With five other guys that had 500 bullets. Yeah. Nobody got shot. Yeah. And we come back two days later, smiles on our faces. Have a great, We take shotguns. Just shoot trees in half. Yeah. We just, just shoot them in half. Till, yeah, just... Hunting just, nothing. We're just shooting trees. Yeah. Walking around through the woods, five guys with shotguns. I know, and all I can think is, oh my gosh, you're going to shoot each other. <laughs> now I'm like, oh, Max is going to take an airsoft gun out? Uh, no, nope, bad idea. No, nope, bad you know, idea. I'm like, nope. In our day, we just we just blew trees in half. Yeah, here, here's here, here, son, here's a bomb global in the fucking neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's fine. It'll, you'll be all right. Yeah. We got Max and Colby, uh, uh, what are they called? <laughs> I don't know where you're going. The camping. I can't think of it. Uh, sleeping bags. That's what it's called. Sorry. Sleeping bags. Really technical term there. You know, hard one to remember. But anyway, they got those for Christmas. And Max is like, he was almost mad. He's like, <laughs> why would I? You, you could tell he was just mad when he unwrapped it. And, and so later I was like, what were you upset about? And he's like. I don't know why, why did I get a sleeping bag for Christmas, you know? And he had come, come over and camped at your house in the tent, just in the yard. And he thought that was the greatest thing ever. And I was like, well, dad and I thought that we would get you a tent so you could sleep with your friends out in the cattle pasture, or the horse pasture, woods, even the woods beyond, you know? And he's like, oh, okay, this makes sense. That'll be fun. He, but at first he, he was like, this is the dumbest gift ever. <laughs> Why would you give me a sleeping He's bag? like, why are you taking my mattress? <laughs> yeah. but, but the funny thing is, though, about kids again, do you remember, and I'm going to guess we were 10 years old, so at the Sturzen Carnival, every year when they had the tractor pull in oh, the carnival, yeah. we're talking a town of 700 people, the carnies come in, you could throw darts at the balloons. Yep. If we were 10 years old, you could win a fucking survival knife. Yeah. I'm talking a fucking knife with a 10-inch blade. Uh-huh. Yeah. You pop three balloons, you got a survival knife. Can you imagine that now? Yeah. Let's roll into town in a carny wagon. Yeah. <laughs> 
by God, you pop three balloons here, son. Here's a fucking 10 inch blade. <laughs> yeah. nice. Go for it. Oh, Not a chance. Now you're going to win a teddy bear. I still got a scar on my hand from one of those right there. Those were the shit when we were kids. They Enjoyed had a compass, a saw, matches. They had everything with them. That fucking, they were Rambo. a true survival knife. Rambo. They were dull as fuck, but they were true survival knives. Yes. Yeah. Rambo. <laughs> Good times. Is anybody still on there watching? Uh, uh, we're down to 85 people. Still, though. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Like, goodness. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, that's probably like, getting late. Yeah. Enough. I'm, I'm getting pretty tired. Oh, so. yeah. Well, you got a big day tomorrow. I have a big day tomorrow, so. Yeah. Caroline has a big day. Oh, yeah, she does. I do. I have to take I've got a long day of editing video, but. They're going to sleep in and do nothing. Probably. Exactly. That's fine. And Chase Kelly tells she tells me to find something else to do and then go do that and eat lunch. Yep. 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 Yeah, I guess I go a day, it's actually been longer than I thought. Yes. How for long short, is this for, one? For the short for round, short an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah, we're a buck 20 on this one. Which to, this is the shortest one we've done all night. <laughs> I think that second one was like two hours. And was it really? It was a long time. Uh, you'll have that on those big jobs. Oh, yeah, for sure. We got a lot of questions, Kelly. Yep. So. People want to know. Might have to, I'll, I'll think tomorrow of all these other stories that I should tell. We'll do a part well, well, you can to do, do a, a part two. Yeah. Like, I thought this, of seven other stories that are just won't great. Be the last. This won't be the last, trust me. You've enjoyed it. It'll be your least popular podcast. You'll be like, oh, Oh, it is the last, Kelly. It 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 never fails. The ones that you think, man, that one wasn't very good are the number one. Yeah, it'll be fine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're good. So, all right, folks. Well, we're going to kick her off here. My phone is literally dead. I'm down to 3%, I think. But yeah, this podcast has ran way long. So, thanks for tuning in on the podcast and on TikTok Live. For those of you listening on the podcast, we've been TikTok Live in this whole deal. So yeah, you missed to, out. Yeah. So thanks to everybody who's tuned in. We will see you guys next time. Later. See ya.